If you pull out your phone and open the Maps app, take a look at the United States. In the top left corner, the northwest corner, is the state of Washington. Keep scanning to the top left of Washington and you will see a chunk of water carved into the state. This large inland body of water is known as the Salish Sea. The Salish Sea is an inland sea that covers the Puget Sound, the San Juan Islands, and the waters off of Vancouver, British Columbia in Canada. The area spans from Olympia, Washington in the south to the Campbell River, British Columbia in the north, and it includes the cities of Seattle and Vancouver. Speaking of which, put your finger on Seattle and trace it north across the U.S.-Canada border until you reach Vancouver. And here is where our episode begins. This is the Immortal Souls Podcast. Off the west coast of Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, is the Strait of Georgia, a thin body of water that is sandwiched between mainland British Columbia and Vancouver Island. It is one of the several arms of the Salish Sea that stretches for about 150 miles, and it's anywhere from 12 to 36 miles wide. Nestled in the Strait of Georgia are many islands, some quite large and others much smaller. Jedediah Island, a smaller island tucked between two larger islands, is approximately 600 acres in size. Designated an official marine park, this island boasts a diverse geography, full of Douglas fir and arbutus forests, rocky outcroppings, lush vegetation, and a rich marine environment, full of secluded bays and coves for seals and other marine creatures to take refuge. Trails meander throughout the island, connecting bays and inlets with each other, and it is perfect for kayaking and wilderness camping. In fact, visitors are free to camp anywhere on the island with some of the best sites being near the shoreline around what is called Long Bay. Part of the charm of Jedediah Island is its seclusion and tranquility, with the island being accessible only by boat, and campsites operating on a first-come, first-serve basis. On August 20, 2007, a family visiting from Washington was on a sailing trip through the Strait of Georgia. They eventually dropped anchor at Jedediah Island, eagerly anticipating the tranquility and beautiful nature that the island was sure to provide them. They arrived at the island and set up camp at one of the numerous beaches on the island. A young daughter of the family started exploring around the beach, like kids do, and found a pile of sandy, waterlogged shoes in the sand. She picked one of them up, a white and blue mesh Adidas size 12 running shoe a right shoe, and started examining it. As she peeled open the sandy, wet sock that was still in the shoe, inside the sock was a severed human foot. This gruesome discovery would be the first of 21 and counting detached human feet found along the shores of the Pacific Northwest, many of which were still in socks and sneakers. The mystery continues with the most recent discovery in January of 2019. 
Where did these feet come from? Who do they belong to? Why so many? Why in the same general area? Is there something sinister at play? After the initial discovery in August 2007, a flurry of detached feet and shoes were found off the coast of BC for the next 15 months. August 26, 2007, six days after the first discovery, Gabriola Island, BC, a couple discovered a man's right foot in a white size 12 Reebok shoe. February 8, 2008, Valdez Island, BC, a man's right foot was found in a size 11 Nike. His left foot was eventually found on June 16, 2008, on Westham Island, BC. May 22, 2008, Kirkham Island, BC. A woman's right foot was found in a blue and white New Balance sneaker. It is thought to have washed down the Fraser River before it reached its resting place. A genetic match was found for a left foot wearing a similar New Balance sneaker, found floating in the Fraser River near Richmond, BC, on November 11, 2008. August 1, 2008, near Pisht, Washington. A man's right foot was found in a black, seaweed-covered, size 11 sneaker by a camper on the beach. By 2008, the story of the Salish Sea Feet had swept around the world, and the world was intrigued. News agencies from Australia to Bangladesh covered the gruesome mystery while collectively scratching their heads over the cause and meaning of it all. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police or RCMP, in their usual tight-lipped fashion, offered little in their findings or theories, other than that they had no reason to suspect foul play, as there was no evidence showing mechanical disarticulation, or in layman's terms, there was no evidence that the feet were forcibly severed or intentionally chopped off. This only added to the mystery and intrigue. If it wasn't foul play, if there isn't a foot-chopping serial killer on the loose, then what is it? I won't go into detail with the other 14 discovered feet, but it is pretty fascinating, admittedly in a morbid sort of way, to examine the details of each discovery and observe the similarities among the findings. We'll leave a link in today's show notes for those who want to see more details with each foot found. Before going into any theories or speculation of where or who the feet came from, a definite point of interest is that a majority of the feet found were inside of trainers or running shoes. Forensic experts have pointed to the fact that trainers are essentially flotation devices made out of buoyant materials, and they often contain air pockets such as what we see in many models of Nikes, for example. So I guess it makes some sense that these shoes would have kept afloat until washing up on shore somewhere. So, what happened? Where are all these feet coming from? Other body parts have not washed up that have thus far been tied to any of these feet. Why are just the feet washing ashore and not legs or hands or whole bodies for that matter? Let's tackle the last question first. Why just the feet and not the whole body? Science has taught us that ankles, as well as other parts attaching extremities to the body, are made of relatively weak biological material. 
According to entomologist Gail Anderson of Simon Fraser University, extremities such as the hands, feet, and head often disarticulate or detach as a body decomposes in the water, although these body parts rarely float on their own. With these particular feet, even after detaching from the rest of the body, the feet, as previously mentioned, would be kept afloat by the highly buoyant sneakers they are still attached to. In an email, Anderson observed that, quote, notice there are no feet washing ashore in stiletto hills or flip-flops. Even with this said, it is safe to say that it is unusual to find only the feet without the rest of the body, let alone 21 of them, let alone all in the same general geographic region. This brings us to the more difficult questions. Where and who did the feet come from? Ocean currents are unpredictable, and it is estimated that a foot wearing a buoyant shoe could float as far as a thousand miles. Also, under optimal conditions, a human body can stay intact in water for up to several years, at least as a recognizable skeleton. But in less than optimal conditions, a body might only last a matter of weeks or months. We don't know what conditions the bodies attached to the Salish Sea feet may have been in, but given this statistic, it is possible some of the feet, being protected from nature and biological processes by the shoes encasing them, have been floating around for a long time in the water. So basically, it is extremely difficult to predict with much accuracy where the feet came from, how far they might have traveled, or even how old they might be. So where does this leave us, as far as explaining everything? The most sensational theories are of serial killers or human traffickers being responsible for the severed feet. As much as this would make for a killer story, no pun intended, or TV show or something like that, there is just no hard evidence supporting these assertions, as, like previously mentioned, the feet did not show to have been chopped off, sawed off, or otherwise intentionally severed from the rest of the bodies. This obviously doesn't mean that homicide altogether is ruled out. There are too few clues to say that definitively. But it raises more questions than answers, as we simply don't know what happened exactly with all the victims, or if foul play was a factor with any of them. So, if we set serial killers aside, the first theory that makes at least some sense is that some of the feet may have come from people who died in the Asia tsunami back in December of 2004. This boils down to the fact that many of the shoes found were manufactured on or before 2004. Also, given the way that ocean currents generally go, it is possible that they could have been swept up the Pacific Ocean from the region that was hit by the tsunami. This is pure conjecture, however, with no clear evidence that we are aware of linking the feet to the tsunami. Other people think that the feet could have come from the bodies of people who died in plane crashes or other maritime disasters such as shipwrecks. For example, in 2005, just a couple of years before the first foot was found, a plane with five men crashed near Quadra Island, a large island off the eastern coast of Vancouver Island, approximately 50 to 90 miles northwest of the location of the feet. 
The bodies of the five men have not yet been recovered, and some believe that the first several feet, due to their proximity to each other, could have come from the crash. One of the feet was later proven to be female through DNA testing, though, and nothing concrete has otherwise linked any of the other feet or shoes to the crash or the unfortunate victims. And yet, other people think there isn't anything mysterious or special at all with the whole situation. They rather would blame the media and turn to the economic principle of, quote, vicious cycles to explain the mystery of the feet. A vicious cycle, also known as a vicious circle, is a chain of events that reinforce themselves through a feedback loop, and each iteration of the cycle reinforces the previous one. Or as Merriam-Webster puts it, quote, a chain of events in which the response to one difficulty creates a new problem that aggravates the original difficulty. In the case of the Salish Sea Shoes, back in 2007 and 2008, when the shoes first started showing up, the media worldwide made a huge deal about the discoveries. People across the globe became intensely interested in the situation, and especially those living close to the discoveries were put on high alert. Where previously someone might see a discarded shoe on the sand or floating in the water and think nothing of it, now they were much more likely to actually look inside the shoes. And with each new grisly discovery, the media beast is fed once again, and the sensation and awareness is once again heightened and amplified. So, a vicious cycle is born, where the media hype fuels the awareness in searching, and the searching and discovery of new feet fuels further media hype. The idea being that perhaps there are a lot more shoes with severed feet lying around than we know about, and in many more places. But awareness and media attention of feet found in a particular region ultimately lead to more discoveries of feet in that same region. Despite the mystery surrounding all of the feet that keep washing ashore, ten people have been linked to some of the feet. Given the various circumstances of these people, this partly takes away the mystique and sinister aspect of it all, but does it also perhaps deepen the mystery as well? After all, no clear pattern can be detected with the bodies that have been identified or found, and many of these people were merely deemed missing which doesn't tell us much about the circumstances of their death at all. The first foot in the Adidas size 12 was linked to a missing man suffering from depression. The second foot in the Reebok size 12 was tied to a man missing since 2006. The white size 11 Nike found on the Valdez Island was linked to another missing man. The foot in the blue and white woman's New Balance sneaker found on Kirkham Island in 2008 was connected to a woman who suicide jumped from the Patulo Bridge in New Westminster in April of 2004. And the rest of the feet that were identified belonged to other people deemed missing, with not much further detail. One of the more interesting discoveries tied a 2011 finding of a foot in a man's size 12 hiking boot found in Port Moody, British Columbia, to Stefan Zahoruchko, a fisherman missing since 1987, it is pretty remarkable that the foot remained intact for nearly 25 years before it was discovered. The boot appears to have protected the foot from normal decomposition or from being scavenged by sea creatures, 
as is the usual case with bodies in the water. But we should keep in mind that over half of the feet are still unidentified, with no clear evidence of who they belong to. So to wrap this all up, it's safe to assume that given the wide range of time these feet have been found, well over a decade by this point, it is highly unlikely they are connected to each other in any appreciable way. Maybe we are overthinking this. Maybe this all boils down to an explanation that is much more obvious. The ocean is enormous, covering 140 million square miles, which is equivalent to approximately 72% of the Earth's surface. More than 600 million people, around 10% of the world's population, live in coastal areas. Bringing things closer to home and putting context to our mysterious feet, the population of the Pacific Northwest alone, which typically refers to Idaho, Oregon, Washington, and British Columbia, is over 15 million people and counting. Also, over 25% of Canada's population lives in a coastal zone. What this all means is that millions, heck, tens of millions of people, live on the coastline of the Pacific Northwest, or at least within driving distance of the coast. Millions of people live in and around the coastal areas where the Salish sea feet have been found. Maybe this whole mystery comes down to the idea that people live by the sea and die by the sea. Where millions live by the sea, millions will die by or in the sea. There's no way to know how many countless people have drowned by purposefully or accidentally falling or jumping into rivers, streams, lakes, and oceans. It's anyone's guess how many unknown and unrecovered bodies are lying in or floating around the ocean. And yet, it is without a doubt strange that so many feet, of all things, tucked inside waterlogged shoes keep appearing in the same general area. What is the deal with that? Is it just ocean currents? Or something else? The feet keep washing ashore, and nobody knows exactly why. We hope you all have a fun and spooky Halloween, and until next time, be safe out there and look out for each other. We don't want or need any further statistics added to the mystery of the Salish Sea feat. Thank you for checking out this episode of the Immortal Souls podcast. For show notes, more information, pictures, or just to say hi, check us out at our website, immortalsoulspodcast.com, Instagram, or Facebook. Five-star reviews are hugely appreciated and super helpful. Until next time, keep walking the roads less traveled.